first started pastoring and uh, probably a few years before I should have, actually. But I'll never forget facing the various difficulties for the first time. Uh, First funeral, wow. I had no idea really what I was going to do, and some way or another got through it. But I can remember dealing with a particular issue, someone that was going through a very trying time, suffering greatly, and uh, was talking to to someone else, uh, to one of the members of the church, actually. And we were talking about it, and this person said, well, just tell them to read Psalm 73. I didn't, I'm sure that I've read through the Bible already several different times, but I had no idea uh, what was in Psalm 73. So the first thing I did when I got home was to read Psalm 73 myself. If I was going to be recommending it to others, I want to know what it said. And, and, and I want you to know over the years it has become just a very, very, very special part of my life, and uh, so I want you to turn there tonight, and uh, I wish I had time to just go through the entire thing. In fact, tonight I decided I'm not going to give you three points in a poem. I'm going to give you a poem, but not three points, <laughs> so we don't have a an outline of one, two, three, and four or anything like that. But that's not to say that it can't be done that way. In fact, some of you remember probably 10 years ago, I'm guessing, 10, 12, 14 years ago, something like that, I I preached a series, eight or nine messages, a series from this psalm. And uh, it was a blessing to me. But tonight I want you to just look at verse number two to start with. Where the psalmist says, but as for me... My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I'm not sure what the title of this message ought to be. I'll let Brother Ron figure it out when he posts it tomorrow. But, I, you know, I, I, I had some thoughts. Uh, one of them just, just come to me, almost gone. That'd make, a, I think, a good title, or uh, Standing on Slippery Slopes. That might work. Living on the Edge, or Standing on the Brink. Any one of those titles would work because they all speak of basically the same thing. But regardless of the title, I can identify with this text in more than, in more than one way. I was sitting there and I was just thinking about a time when we were building Highway 65 south of Springfield down to, to, to Branson and I was with my survey crew and back then at that point why you just had to kind of make roads where there were no roads and we had a carry-all and so we tried to take a shortcut and got down on this slope. It started way up there and about the grade they hadn't even poured the the, the uh, asphalt at that time, but the grade was way down there. I'm talking about over 100 feet, and so we went out around uh, some little little woods or something that's there, trying to you know take that carry all as far as we could and walk as little as we had to. 
And we got that thing sideways on that steep slope. And, uh, I mean, we're just tottering up there like this. And we've got, to see, one, two, three, five, probably five guys in that thing. And so we began getting out one at a time. And, and, and all of the guys got on one side of it and pushing. And then we're trying to drive it and get it started back up the grade. And it's, it's a miracle that we got out of there because, I mean, just one wrong move, just the slightest shift in weight would, would, would cause that thing to go rolling down the hill. And it wouldn't have been a pretty picture. But, uh, but of even greater importance, I, I found myself on slippery slopes in a spiritual sense. And I think we all have, if we'll be honest. There uh, have been times when we found ourselves maybe at a tipping point on a slippery slope, and that can be a very scary experience. Your spirit or your heart is pulling you in one direction, and your flesh is trying to pull you in a different direction. So it's a struggle between, between what you know that you ought to do and, and what you want to do. And the Apostle Paul experienced that in Romans chapter number 7. Very vividly there he talked about that. He said, the things I would do, I don't do. The things I wouldn't do, I find myself doing. And so there's this constant struggle going on in the life of a Christian. Now, the unsaved person doesn't know anything about that. But the Christian knows exactly what I'm talking about because there is this constant struggle. And that's what we see here in Psalms 73. It's strange because this psalm actually commences with the conclusion. You heard right. It begins with the conclusion. Look at verse number 1, and we'll call this his glorious affirmation. Listen to what he says. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. That's really the conclusion of the whole psalm, but he puts it at the very beginning. And having made that glorious affirmation, in the very next verse, he speaks about his fearful position. He said, as for me, my feet were almost gone. They'd well nigh slipped. In other words, I've reached a tipping point. I'm about to go over, and this will be the end of me. The thing that really makes this interesting to me is if you look up at the very beginning, you'll notice it was written by a man by the name of Asaph. Asaph was the chief musician, in fact, the head, uh, the leader of David's choir. So here is a fellow that is in a position of leading the, the Levitical choir. He's a Levite, and he's leading the choir. People are looking to him for inspiration. People are looking to him for example. And here is this man in that position that is at a tipping point, a man who says, my feet were almost gone, it well nigh slipped. Now, of all of the people, you this is the, the least likely that you would think that would ever get in a condition like that. I mean, you might think of it as, some, you know, some of the choir members themselves, they might get in that position, but this man's the, the leader. This man's the guy they're looking to as their example, and, and he's in that position. And, and I, I said all of that to say this, 
don't you ever think it can't happen to you. It happens to all of us at some point in time in our life that we reach. In fact, it happens on more than one occasion. We find ourselves on that slipping, slippery slope at a tipping point, and we just feel like our feet's going out from under us at any moment. Now, how he got to this place is described in the psalm, and I'm not going to elaborate on it, but uh, he tells us very clearly. But I, I want to just sum it up by saying that that he turned his focus away from God to the conditions around him. And he makes that very clear. He got to looking around, and he said, wait a minute, something's wrong with this picture. I don't understand why the righteous suffer and why the wicked prosper. How, how can it be? It's upside down, topsy-turvy. I mean, that's, that's just not right. And so he's looking at all of the bad stuff around him instead of having his focus on God. Now, because of that, It causes him to begin to ask questions, and I want you to look at verse 13 and 14, because here's what he's thinking. In light of all of the things I'm seeing, is there any benefit in me serving God at all? Why should I even try? Notice, verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency, for all of the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. You would never dream that a man like this would get in a condition like that. That he would ever say anything that is so unspiritual, something that is so insulting, something that is so offensive to God that I've you know, I've cleansed my hands in vain. It's all, all, all been worthless. That there's nothing in this for me. There's no, no benefit whatsoever. So that's the condition he's in. And something each and every one of us need to face. But the question is, how can we get back on a firm foundation? How can we get back to a, to solid ground? How can we get back you know, to firm footing. How can we get back to a safe place? And in this psalm, we see the two important lessons that we conclude as we read through this. Number one, you can't trust yourself. You cannot trust yourself. It'll go wrong every time if you do. Number two, only God is absolutely trustworthy. Those are the two lessons that come out of this. We can't trust ourselves. And by that, I mean we can't trust what we see. We can't trust our own reasoning because we look around and it's all upside down. It's all unfair. It's all of no benefit to us. And we're just spinning our wheels and wasting time. You can't trust yourself. The only one you can really trust is God. So to stay safe then... I have to have complete confidence in God and no confidence in myself. Boy, when we think about the condition of the world today, and I know all of us are, and, uh, you know, there are some that have just uh, written off America. And and as I said this morning, we don't know what's going to happen, but I do know 
we can let ourselves get so distraught over the conditions of the world that we lose our focus from what's really important as to why we are in this world. We can't afford to do that. It's not right for us to do that. So no confidence in self and all of our confidence in God. Well, that brings to mind a verse that has helped me. I want you to turn to the book of Habakkuk. I'll give you a little time to get there. It's just keep turning over in the Old Testament until you get there just before the book of Zephaniah, if that helps you any. Uh, these little kids, these little smart aleck kids, you know, that's memorized all of the books in the Bible right in the order. And, oh, yeah, that comes right after this or right after that. Let me tell you, after I get past Ezekiel and what have you and right in there, it's just, it's just thumb and look, you know, I just till I run across it. I hate to admit that, but that's the truth. Habakkuk chapter 3, and I, let's start in verse 17, because I want you to get the whole picture here. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, and neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Now that's just another way of saying when things are as bad as they can get, there's no crops in the field. There's no food in the cupboard. There's no food on the table. There's nothing. Everything is gone. When it is as bad as it can get, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. That is so amazing to me. I think I mentioned this morning the pastor's pen, Philippians 4 and verse number 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. This, this is the perfect example of what Paul was talking about. But I want you to look at verse 19. He says, The Lord God is my strength. and He will. I didn't say might. He will make my feet like hinds feet, like the little deer. He'll make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me, that is, cause me, enable me to walk upon mine high places. I think it's kind of interesting. He says to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. I don't know exactly what all that implies, but it has to do with something to do with the choir and what's going on and... and uh, it would have been good if Asaph could have read this, you know, back, uh, you know, of course, he, he, he wasn't around when that was written as far as I know, but, uh, but it sure hits the nail on the head and it fits right in with what Asaph is saying there in Psalm 73. The Lord is my strength, he says, notice, and he will make my feet like hinds feet. I talked a while ago about you know, being in high places and dangerous places and on slippery slopes. And, boy, when it comes to climbing hills, I can guarantee you I've experienced much more than most people ever have. I've climbed the very highest peaks in the Ozarks on numerous occasions. I've had to do that. And I found myself on slippery slopes, on steep ledges, in scary situations where one misstep, could have resulted in death. 
I remember when we built that highway, it was the steepest, deepest cut in all of the state of Missouri at that time anyway. And I mean, it was just solid limestone that, that of course, had been blasted out after we were through. But we had to get up there and walk those ledges of that limestone in order to take cross-sections. And uh, it's a scary situation when you know if the if the rock under your feet doesn't hold, why well, you, you're probably going to die. And all of that had to be done. And sometimes we find ourselves in similar situations where we are on that slippery slope and it's a tipping point and we are just scared to death that at any moment that we're going to take a nosedive and end up not necessarily losing our life, but totally ruining our testimony or putting ourselves in a position that we'll be of no use to God. Paul had a fear of that. Paul feared being put on the shelf. Paul's fear was, as he put it, that he did not want to become a castaway. Now, that didn't mean that he might lose his salvation. That didn't mean that God was going to damn him to hell. It simply meant, I don't want to become unusable in God's work. And all of us ought to fear that. Whenever I read our text tonight, and I think about the prophet of old, or in the case of Habakkuk, either one, but I think about both of them and how they had walked in high and dangerous places. And no doubt they had watched those sure-footed little deer as they traversed over the rugged terrain. I'll never forget the first trip I made to Colorado and looking up there and uh, seeing those uh, mountain sheep up there on those ledges and whatever, and you wonder, how did they get there? It just seems impossible that they could get where they were. Uh, on the, uh, you couldn't even see the ledge, and, and it looked like they'd just been picked up and planted there on the side of that mountain somewhere or another. And uh, as, the, as the psalmist is relaying all of this to us, he is picturing himself like that little deer being in, in high places, and he's drawing from that experience here to remind us of how God cared for him in that situation. So this is the voice of confidence, confidence in God, not self. And, and notice his testimony. He says, the Lord is my strength. We're in Habakkuk now. The Lord is my strength. That's his testimony. But then notice his trust. He says, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk in high places. Now, when we look at that, all of it actually becomes a, a promise. And it was because of his faith that enabled him to have great expectations. And it does the same thing for us. Isn't it terrible to, to live without any expectations? To think about, let's, let's say, coming to church on a Sunday morning with no expectations. Just come to church and not even hope anything happens. We don't expect anything. You know, we're just, it's, it's our duty. It's our responsibility. We're supposed to be there. So we, we show up to see what's going on, but we have no expectations. And we go through life without any expectations. That's a horrible way to live. 
without any expectations. Look, we ought to have great expectations because we ought to have a rock-solid faith in God and in His ability, and that's what He's telling us here. The Lord is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds' feet. In other words, enable me to walk on those high places. It's interesting when you go through the Bible and, and read about the, the hills and the valleys. And, and that's the way life is. It's a picture of life. It's, it's a series of, of mountains and valleys. The dangerous time is whenever we are traversing the terrain from the valley to the mountain or from the mountain to the valley because all through life it's always changing. We never spend all of our life in the valley. We never spend all of our life on the mountaintop. We're always going from one to another, and it's during those transitions that we get in great danger. That's when we find ourselves on the slippery slopes that I've been talking about. The transitions, whether you're going up or whether you're going down, it doesn't make any difference. And the path that God has appointed for us is not something that we would choose for ourselves. It's not something that is even ours to decide. I started out by talking about that carry-all truck and us guys in the survey crew trying to take a shortcut, you know. Let's face it, we, we didn't want to expend any more energy than we had to, and so we are taking a shortcut and thought, if we can just get around this little clump of trees by going down around that slope there, boy, you know, we'll, we'll be in great shape. We can just drive then for a long way and won't have to walk, and it about got us killed doing that. You know, whenever it comes to life, there are no shortcuts, and it's not ours to decide, well, I think I'll go this way or that way because I think that'll be fun or that'll be easy. So I'm going to take that route. No, it's God that plots the route for us. And He does that out of the depths of His great wisdom. That's why you can always trust God, because God is wise. And so out of the depths of His great wisdom, He appoints for us a path. And we're either going down into a valley or we're coming up on the mountaintop or whatever it is. Sometimes we find ourselves down in a deep, dark valley. The next time, you know, that we're up, up on a mountaintop somewhere. But the point is, and I'm going to be brief tonight, I just want to drive this home. The point is, whether we're going up or whether we're coming down, we need not fear. Because the same God that Habakkuk wrote about is the same God that we serve. We have no reason to fear. And just as God enables that little deer to be able to, to go around those little, little rocky paths or whatever in the mountains, that same God will enable His people to, to, to go into the high places or back into the valleys safely. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. And we, when we get down to the valley of the shadow of death, we don't need to, we don't need to think about that with fear. Because the one who is our guide is our guard. He is our guard. He never guides us where he will not guard us. Now, even as I mention all of these things, I realize that times have changed. 
but God hasn't changed at all. You know, today we travel on super highways, don't we? We're in comfortable automobiles. Wow. I, it, 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 isn't it amazing the difference between automobiles today and back when some of us started driving? I'm telling you, there is no comparison whatsoever. The comfort, I mean, even the seat in my car will get hot or cold. Uh, You know, uh, the mirrors on each side, somebody starts getting that blind spot and the light comes on here or or over there. And it's just, it, it, it is amazing. And so we've got all of this comfort and we're on these super highways and, and still, in spite of all the things that modern-day technology has brought us, we have to face difficult and dangerous situations because we still struggle, don't we? We struggle with the world. When I say the world, I'm talking about the worldly system that is around us. The Lord's plan is not to take us out of it, but to leave us in it. You know, in John chapter 17, where the Lord, the, the real Lord's prayer, where he's praying for his disciples and he prayed to the Father, Father, you know, I, I'm not asking you to take them out of it, but that you'll keep them in it. And I've often said, you know, that, that just shows that, that we are not in this world just so, just so we can enjoy the things of life. He's left us in this world because we are on a mission and God loves the world so much. Now, I want you to think about this. God loves the world so much that He is willing to leave His children. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. He's willing to leave His children in this sinful world and subject us to these horrible difficulties that we have to face. He's willing to do that. Why? In order that we might preach the gospel and reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world, but the world is constantly going to be against us. It is a wicked, evil system that is against us. So we've got this struggle with the world. But then we've got not only the struggle with the world, we've got the struggle with the flesh. And these are the three enemies that the Bible mentions, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, if the devil died today and if the world suddenly become perfect around me, I would still be corrupt in the perfect world that is around me because I'm still in the flesh. And we're going to have to battle the flesh, you know, till the day that we die. But then, you know, unfortunately the devil is not yet dead. He's still on the prowl. He's still on the loose. A certain religion many years ago began a teaching, you know, saying that the devil had already been cast into the pit, you know, and he was confined. And somebody who listened to that preacher deliver a message about that. You didn't have to worry about the devil. He's been conquered. He's in the pit, da, da, da. And somebody spoke up and said, well, if that's true, you know, he's on a mighty long chain, you know. And that's true because... You know, he seems to show up everywhere, and he really does, because everywhere, everywhere we go, we have, to, we have to contend against the world, the flesh, and the devil. But if, if we really look at these verses tonight, even though life is tough, 
we discover that God is our very present help in a time of need. He gives us resources to meet every need. He gives us the strength to defeat every foe. And He gives us a reason to rejoice regardless of what the circumstances are. Because of that, because of that, we, as the saying, as the slogan goes, it says, stay calm and carry on. Somebody, a preacher, uh, in fact, uh, sent me a little booklet uh, some time ago. And the cover of the book, uh, I think it was David Jeremiah, in fact. I don't know how he sent it to me, but he sent me this little booklet. And on the front of it, it just says, stay calm and carry on. I keep that little book book laying there on the right side of my desk all of the time. Stay calm and carry on. And we're able to do that because of who God is and what God can do. I I want to encourage you tonight to study, and, and I mean to really study these two sections of Scripture. I want you during the next week to get in Psalm 73, study it like you've never studied it before, take it verse by verse, break it down into the different sections, get a concordance, a Bible dictionary, whatever you've got to do. I want you to wade through that and think through that, and I'll guarantee you it'll help you like you cannot believe. And spend some time thinking about the statement that Habakkuk made there. When everything is at its very worst, when it is as bad as it can possibly get, we have a reason to rejoice. And we can rejoice because of who God is. He's our strength. That's what he said. Uh, You know, sometimes people get irritated because preachers repeat themselves. But, you know, it's just the, the price of staying staying put in one place for a long time. You have to listen to some of the same illustrations. And I, every time I think of that verse, I think of a fellow by the name of Johnny Sanders. He, Johnny was a preacher, but he's also a farmer over there in Tennessee. And, uh, and I'll never forget preaching over there in Faith Baptist in Humboldt, Tennessee. Boy, they, all of the farmers had a bad year. I'm the cotton and the soybeans. It was a horrible, terrible year. They they were going under financially. I'll never forget preaching from from those verses in Habakkuk, and all of a sudden Johnny jumped up and been started screaming like a Comanche and shouting and rejoicing. And just, I mean, it's like the Spirit of God just overwhelmed him during that. It just like he got hit in the face with the truth of that Scripture, and it excited him. I think that's something to get excited about. When you're on a slippery slope at a tipping point, and you know that if God doesn't intervene, if God doesn't help me, I'm not going to make it through the night. I'm not going to be able to survive. I'm not going to make it. And then you need to think about what we've talked about tonight. How many of you have read the story of Corey Ten Boom? Really, is that all? No kidding. Wow. You have no idea what you're missing. Uh, it's just such an amazing story. And, and, and so this quote probably won't mean much to you unless you have some idea of what that woman went through. 
because it's unbelievable the way God used her and helped her. But this is what she said, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. I think maybe the perfect example of that is when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit being love and joy and peace and and the other six things, graces that are mentioned there. We talked this morning about loving our enemies. The fruit of the Spirit starts out with with love. I, I don't care how hard you try, you cannot make yourself love some people. You can't. It's impossible for you to love some people. There are some people that could do certain things to you and hurt you so bad that it would be impossible for you to ever love them unless unless you are so filled with the Spirit that you allow God to do it through you. And that's the point she's trying to make. When we try to do things that we should in our own strength, it is absolutely, totally exhausting. It wears us down. It's just, it's horrible. But whenever we stop trusting self and we put all of our confidence in God and rely upon Him to do what we need to do, it's then that it just begins to flow. Well, I promised I'd close with a little poem, didn't I? I don't know who wrote this. But it says, uh, In you, O Lord, I take delight. My every need you will supply. I long to do what's true and right. So, Lord, on you I will rely. I never read that to this last week, and I was just going through something and happened to notice that little poem. And I thought, you know, boy, that really hits the nail on the head. And you, O Lord, I take delight. I wish more people would take delight in the Lord and get excited about the Lord and rejoice in the Lord. And you, O Lord, I take delight. My every need you will supply. Uh, Do you really believe that? I long to do what's true and right. Most of the people around you don't. When I say around you, I don't mean in this building. I'm talking about in the world. That's not the way most people feel about it. But do you? I long to do what's true and right. So, Lord, on you I will rely. Because that's the only way to do what's true and right, is to rely upon the Lord. No, you can't trust yourself. But God... Never fails. Verse 28 of Psalm 73, and I'm through. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all thy works. I remember as a boy hearing Mama say, if you knew what was good for you. And how many of you parents have said to your kids, if you knew what was good for you, you'd eat those vegetables, you know. If you knew what was good for well, the truth of the matter is most people don't know what's good for them. Well, look right here. He says, it is good for me. Let me tell you, it's good for you too. It's good for me to draw near 
to God. Don't you dare let this wicked world distract you. Don't you let the problems of life draw you away from God to where you lose your focus. You can't afford to do that. We're not trying to save America. We're trying to reach souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. Father, how we thank you tonight for the great encouragement of your word. How we thank you, Lord, for these men that down through the centuries that walked with you, those men that you used in such great ways. And we think about the desperate situations they often found themselves in and how that you inspired them to record for our comfort and for our learning these very things that would be of a help to us during the difficulties of our life. And Heavenly Father, there might be someone even here tonight that's on one of those slippery slopes. They haven't told anybody about it. Not something anybody else even knows about, but they're on a slippery slope and they are at a tipping point. And just one little shift in the wrong direction, will send them crashing down. Lord, tonight, may they put their focus on You and trust in You, and may You make their feet like hinds' feet, that they can traverse this difficulty, that You'll lead them to a place of safety and give them that blessed assurance that they need as they go through the struggles of life. For we beg it in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Let's stand together and we're going to sing.